0: So uh, as we jump into this sermon today, I've got a a question I want us to think through. Uh, What is more important, breathing in or breathing out? What do you guys think? (laughs) Breathing in, but then if you don't breathe out, it's, it's kind of a weird question, right? Like they're both, they seem like very much equally as important. You can't really have one without the other. If you breathe in... But then don't breathe out that's a problem but you can't breathe out if you don't breathe in so they really go hand in hand you could say though that you can't breathe out unless you first breathe in so that has to at least be a starting point so breathing in is definitely a necessity and a starting point but to continue with life you have to breathe out you can't just breathe in you also have to breathe out so both have to happen And that's the relationship between taking in god's word and then speaking back to him in prayer we have to both take in from god but we also have to give back we also have to speak to him he speaks to us we speak to him we have to have the breathing in as our starting point we have to receive from the lord we have to know about him we have to know who he is we have to know his promises we can't really speak to him very clearly unless we know, first of all, what he is speaking to us. And that's how any relationship looks, really. I mean, it's like kind of this breathing in, breathing out thing. You want every relationship to be back and forth. It can't be just a one-way street. Any relationship that's a one-way street where one person puts in the love and commitment and communication, the other person just is sort of shut down, that relationship is going to break down at some point. That relationship can't grow any deeper. So what is prayer. Prayer for us is us speaking back our heart to God after He has spoken His heart to us. Oftentimes, though, we can get in this one-way conversation where maybe we're hearing from God, we're we're going to church, we're reading the Bible, but our prayer lives really, they just, they suffer. They they suffer. It's kind of like when you Send someone like a really long, sentimental text message. and You're like, man, I just love you so much. You're so cool. You're so, you helped me. And then the response is, K. <laughs> you're like, ah, that's not what I was looking for, but okay. Like that doesn't really work well. Uh, so when we just put in everything and nothing comes back, that, that relationship is going to start to fizzle. Something just isn't going to click in, in just the heart, uh, that knitting of hearts uh, together. So prayer is... Our response to God, and I think a lot of times our response, here's this big text message that he sent us, and that's what this is, right? This is a very long text message, and then oftentimes our response is, okay, cool story, bro. It's just, it's minimal. He's given us this. He's given us, he's exposed his, his heart and his mind and his desire for us, and then our response is oftentimes very minimal. So prayer is our response to God. And really, all language, when you think about all language, all language is responding language. Right? From the moment you're, you first utter your first words as a baby, right? You only utter words, mama or dad, dad, because you've been taught those and you're responding to your mom or your dad. All language is responsive. We're not originators of anything. We feel like we're original and we're coming up with our own thoughts, but everything that comes out of us, we took in from somewhere else. We learned from somewhere else. We don't originate anything. We are responding to everything. Everything that comes out of your mouth... It came from somewhere. It's, it, it's been kind of computed in your mind, in your heart. You've, you've assessed it. You've interpreted it. You know, you've either uh, accepted it or rejected it, and then it comes out of your mouth. But you don't originate anything. All language is responding language. That's important for us to understand. Whether it's complaint or praise, all language is responding. We're not originators. We've been made in the image of God. He's the creator he created us. He created language and speech. So we're just responding. Now, we're made in the image of a creator, so we do create, but we only create out of response. Right? So, that's, so our, our creation, everything we create is out of response to something. And prayer is our response to his lengthy, sentimental, loving text message that he's given us. Prayer is how we speak with him. He shares his heart, we share our heart right back to him. Prayer is how we get on the same page with the Lord. And think about it again, with any relationship, if you wanna get on the same page with someone, be connected to the heart, you have to converse. You have to talk, you have to share your heart, they have to share their heart. That's how you sync up with someone and get that heart connection. Whether it's your spouse or your kids or friends, Even if it's your your boss, you're trying to get on the same page with your boss, you have to communicate. You have to go back and forth. There has to be a dialogue about many things and many different ways, whether it's laughter or maybe if it's just working through an argument. You have to communicate, and not just in one way, but in many different ways. And most importantly, you have to communicate in the same language, If you're speaking two different languages, there's the language barrier. Right? We have to be speaking the same language. And God's word, this is his language right here. This is how he has spoken to us. His heart, his promises, his mind, this is his language. And prayer is a pivotal way that God gives us so that we can get our will to become aligned with his will, to get on the same page as him, to have his desires, have his heart, have his character, have the things of God become our things. It's how we have communion with God, just like it's how you have communion with your friends and family. It's through conversation, heartfelt conversation, fellowship. It's how we express our love for God. It's how we express our confusion with God. We have to do this. If we're to have a relationship with God that goes from a stale relationship of of just transaction to a thriving relationship of transformation. If you want to have a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to learn how to pray more deeply. And I know this for many of us, prayer is one of those points where we're going, and I just my prayer life is just not great. That's what we're going to be talking about today: how to get out of that place, just step by step. Okay, so I'm not just going to tell you what prayer is today. We're going to talk about how to actually enliven our prayer life. And we're going to actually have some, some practical examples, too, because I'm, I, I want all of us to believe that we all can have thriving prayer life, thriving relationship with Jesus, thriving, lively, vibrant communication and fellowship with Jesus Christ. Every single person in this room is able to have that. It's not a personality thing. Uh, It's it's none of that kind of stuff All of us can have this And so we want to help each other to do this So I want to pray And then we're going to jump into um, Psalm 1 um, And just see the relationship Between this breathing in, breathing out God's word breathing into us Us responding in prayer Uh, So let's pray And ask the Lord to help us today Father in heaven We're thankful that you've gathered us here Together as a church family we know this is one of the um, most important ways that you bring us together because it's even in community where um, we receive the word and we learn to pray and we um, receive the word together and we pray together, pray for one another. We, we learn this language thing, breathing in and breathing out, um, oftentimes through just being in community, uh, sharing our heart in our community groups, sharing our, our fears, our worries, our challenges, meeting with others Over coffee or uh, here on Sundays we thank you that you've designed our life to be in community we were not designed to do this alone so help us as friends and family brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage one another in our prayer life help us to encourage each other in this we all know that it's a struggle for for probably most Christians So we all know that we need help from each other. We don't have to be embarrassed about where we lack because we're in the same boat here. So we thank you for gathering us to be encouraged today. Help us. Give us faith to believe that you want to work in us to deepen our time in prayer, our communion and fellowship with you. That prayer would be a way that we enjoy Jesus so we thank you, Lord, and we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So Psalm chapter 1, I'm going to be reading all six verses here. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So his delight is in God's word. He delights in God's word. And on his law, on his word, he meditates day and night. And this is what we're going to be looking at primarily is this kind of form of prayer, which is meditating, meditating on the word of God day and night. Here's the result of the person who delights in God's word, but also meditates on it. Breathes in God's word, but then breathes out that person's like a tree planted by streams of water. That's what I want to be in my life, a tree, a healthy tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf doesn't wither. Now, when we think about this, and a tree isn't just healthy for its own sake, but when a tree is healthy, it provides fruit for other people. It provides shade through Uh, The leaves that are green. So when, when drought comes, when heat comes, a tree planted by water provides fruit and shade to those around them. So it is a good thing. It's not just a blessing for yourself to be a tree planted by water so that you can be healthy, but then you become a blessing to others, to the world around you. Believers, unbelievers, you're a tree planted by water blessing others. In all that he does, he prospers. Now the wicked are not so. They don't breathe in and breathe out. But they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners. They won't stand in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And one thing I love, one of the many things I love about uh, this psalm, first of all, it is the introduction for the whole book. So, uh, this is the only psalm out of the 150 psalms that isn't actually a prayer to the Lord. Right, the next 149 are prayers directed towards God. This one here is just stating. This one's the introduction. So I love that it just frames up. So it's basically saying, look, the next 149 chapters, if you live here meditating on the law of God and the word of God, but then breathing out through these 149 prayers, you'll be like this tree. Psalm 1's amazing because it tells us what will happen if we live in, these, in that place of these 149 prayers. These 149 songs, not just receiving God's word, but then singing back to God, praying back to God. So that's what's so amazing about Psalm 1. But also Psalm 1 gives us this picture of these three primary roots that become our source to dip into the water. We see the word of God in here, we see prayer in here, and we also see God's people. He talks about uh, being in the congregation. And all these 149 other songs are all congregation songs. The book of Psalms is the songbook of Israel. It's the prayer book of Israel. So I love Psalm 1 because it frames up this picture that we need God's word, we need to meditate and pray through God's word, and we need to respond with each other as we sing back these promises to God. So we're going to look a lot more of that next week, but I just love that as kind of our starting point today as we look at prayer. Now I want to state something before we go any further because if you feel sort of ashamed because you've been very distant from God or maybe your prayer life is weak, uh, I think we have the same reasons that we gave last week for maybe why we don't spend as much time in prayer, the same reasons why we don't maybe spend as much time in God's Word. I think sometimes we get bored. Uh, sometimes it gets very monotonous. Uh, we are very distracted. And, and so we can kind of feel very guilty of the fact that Maybe we're not even breathing in very much, and then whatever we are breathing in, we're probably breathing out very little even in comparison to that. But I want us to be reminded that, that sinners who know that they are sinners, if you know you're a sinner, you know that maybe you've been neglecting your prayer life, here's the good news for you. Sinners feel the most safe with Jesus Christ. It's the, the righteous it's the self-righteous that don't feel safe with Christ. They're threatened by Christ, and they should be. So if you feel like, oh, man, I'm just, my prayer life's terrible, you have good news today. Jesus welcomes you. He says, come to me. Are you, are you, are you burdened and heavy laden with this guilt of your prayer life? Come to me. My is easy. My burden's light. You'll find rest for your souls. Come to me. Don't stay away from me. If you're feeling bad about your prayer life, don't, stay, don't let that keep you away from me. Come to me. This is the good news that we have. He came to take away that, that burden of guilt and shame. That is what he came to do. He came for the sick, not for the healthy. So if you feel like your prayer life is not great, come to Jesus today. If you're feeling a little ashamed or weak today, embarrassed that your prayer life isn't good, welcome to Life Mission Church pull up a seat, get comfortable. This is a church for sinners who are weak. If you've got your act together, you're going to get tired of this place pretty quickly because I'm a sinner preaching to sinners. So if you got your act together, you're probably going to get tired of me because I preach to sinners because I am a sinner who needs to be preached to. But instead, if you realize that you're broken... And it says in Revelation, naked, poor, wretched, and blind. Well, then you can get comfortable here. You can call this home. Because as you look around, there's just a room full of broken people. And we're in this together. So some of the problems with prayer. Same problems probably as we had with the Word of God. The one-way street thing is pretty obvious. God has spoken and we respond with not very much. We wander in our minds, we get bored, we get distracted. Do you ever feel like your prayers just kind of sound repetitious? You kind of pray the same thing, Lord, bless my family, my friends, and then my friends' families, and then my family's friends', friends families, and you kind of go through your little list and uh, that's, that's definitely a problem, right? We feel very monotonous. We kind of go through the same list, the same routine sometimes in our prayers. We feel like we're going around in a cul-de-sac. There's another part of the one-way street. Other times, maybe our words are many. It's, it's a one-way street from us. And you go, well, that's good. But sometimes the one-way street, our prayers are just all about us. It's just all about us. Not that our prayers shouldn't involve us and our needs and our pains and sorrows, but sometimes it's very one-sided. So that's kind of the opposite problem. I'm a very uh, self-reflective person. I'm very... Uh, introspective, I go inward uh, very easily, very naturally. And that's not always a bad thing. Self-reflection is good. Self-reflection is necessary. But self-reflection only takes you so far. It only takes you so far. And sometimes actually self-reflection takes you farther than you should even go, to be honest. Because if you focus on yourself and your failures, you're going to be despaired, You're gonna be despaired. You know, you know why you're gonna be despaired? You're gonna be despaired because it becomes all about you. And if it's all about you and how good or bad you are, how strong or weak your prayer life is, or whatever it is, if it's all about you, you should be despaired. Because there's no hope. If it's about me, well, yeah, I should be worried, I should feel guilt and shame. But why do we do this? Why do I do that? Oh, I haven't been in the word much. I haven't been in prayer much. I haven't been doing this. I haven't been doing that. I, 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 I. What is wrong with me when all my thoughts are just looking at me? Do I not realize that the gospel is about Jesus Christ and his unbreakable love and commitment to me? So what? (laughs) I did, didn't I? (laughs) So does that make sense? Sometimes we get so focused on ourselves and we forget in our prayer life, in our focus, in our introspection, we forget that this is actually about Jesus and his commitment towards us. That's where we get off base. Galatians chapter three, verse three, Paul says this to the Galatians because they were doing the same thing, just focused on themselves and their own strength and their own ability to kill their sin. He says, are you guys so foolish What is wrong with you guys? Having begun in your faith by the Spirit, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So he's like, he goes, so you think you get saved by God's grace, but now it's all up to you to be a good Christian? Why are you so foolish? What is wrong with you? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? He says, does he, God, who supplies the Spirit to you, and he works miracles among you, does God do this by works of the law, by us being good people and obeying all the stuff? Or does he accomplish all this by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. What Paul's saying here is that if my faith in salvation was started by the Spirit, he's gonna finish it by the Spirit. He doesn't start it with the, with the Spirit and then say, all right, I did my part, Now you gotta meet me halfway and if you do good enough, you have a strong enough prayer life and the word enough, then I'll accept you, but you gotta do it all. That's not what it is. He says, if, if if this began in the spirit, it's not gonna be perfected and finished by your flesh and by your works and by you obeying the law. That's not how this thing works. What God started, God will finish. So we finish by faith. I mean, we realize that we call this the good news, right? Not the meh news. Not the, wow, that sounds like a lot of hard work news. That's not what we call it, the good news. If this was up to you, if this was up to me, me, O law and being this great prayer warrior and all these things, that it, would, it would be called the bad news. That would be bad, bad news if it was up to me to complete my salvation and my sanctification all alone by just mustering up faith and strength and all that stuff. now our value, our worth, our confidence and our faith, my identity, my hope for myself, my hope for my future must come from my union with Jesus Christ. That has to be the, the, the fountain that I get my strength and all of my hope, all of my identity from. It has to come from there, from knowing the power of his unbreakable love, the depth, the width, the height, and the breadth of his love, like we looked at last week. We want to know the depth and height of the love of Jesus towards us. That's how we're changed. That's how we're transformed. It's not about what we can do for him or what we haven't been doing for him, not working hard to keep him for us and with us. Our value and confidence and our, the lightness and the freedom that we desire, it comes from knowing that we're already in him. And we wanna to aim to live in him, not in us. So this is, takes us back to the verse we've looked at the last few weeks, Colossians 2, uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6, verse 7. Paul's desire for us to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as we were taught abounding in thanksgiving. We ought to desire to know the width, the depth, the breadth, and the height of the love of Jesus Christ. Now, what I'm not saying is to to not be introspective and not acknowledge your shortcomings in sin. We shouldn't ignore these things. As a matter of fact, what we should be doing is actually freely boasting in our weaknesses, owning them, freely admitting them, being bold in our confession of sin, not ashamed of the sin that we deal with. Because the more you see your weaknesses, the more you're gonna be amazed at the depth and the height and breadth and width of the love of Jesus Christ. The more freely you admit your sin, the more freely you acknowledge your sin, the more amazing Jesus becomes to you. So we need to see our sinfulness, we need to admit it, we need to be introspective, but we would do well not to dwell on it so much and obsess over it and let it dictate our view of ourselves. There's this incredible quote that's in your notes here. Robert Machane, who did a reading plan that a lot of you have probably done at least at some point. He says, For every one look at yourself, take ten looks at Christ. I don't know if there's any better advice out there that I could ever, ever, ever give you. For every introspective look you take at yourself, which is good, don't don't keep don't live there. Do not live there. For everyone you look at yourself and your shortcomings, your weaknesses, your sin, take ten looks at Jesus. Don't, I do the opposite. So often are the opposite. I take 10 looks at Joby, but I know God loves me still. And then so I just, I live here. We can't do that. Uh, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, you guys heard that song before? It's a good one. John Newton says, he says kind of the, the opposite way here. Um, same thing, but opposite way. He goes, one look at Christ will do more good, will do you more good than pouring over your own wounds for a month. One look at Jesus will do you more good than just being introspective for a month straight. Our eyes need to be fixed on Christ. We need to stop looking in, not completely, but stop looking in and start looking out to Christ. Look to Christ. Be with Christ. That is what prayer is for. But this kind of prayer has to be accompanied by the word. Because if we just look out to Jesus and we don't know his character, we don't know that he's gentle and lowly, that he's compassionate, that he wants to take our, our, our burden upon him. And we just think that he's just this you know, raging guy in the sky who's ready to zap us. So we have to know who we're dealing with if we're going to really go to him. Otherwise, we're going to have our, our, our view of God shaped by our own guilt, our own shame, our own condemnation. We don't want that. We want our view of God to be shaped by his word, not by our thoughts or feelings. So how do we do this? How do we... Look out to Christ more and better and make his beauty and love central to our, our life and our prayers. The first thing, as I mentioned, we have to make the word of God our, our central meal, like breakfast. Like I talked about last week, not just the crumbs, not a quick Pop-Tart. All right, we, we, we don't want to just have God's word when we're feeling hungry. We have to know that we need to put God's word in us So I want to walk through just some some practicals here. Uh, I think these are are in your notes. Uh, A couple of them are like just super hyper practical. Some of them are um, values that are important for us. Uh, The first one, this is just a real practical one. Um, I would tell others what your hope is, what your intention is. Ask them to join you. Uh, What I mean is this. my wife and I, we've been asking others to join us in a Bible reading plan because that helps me to know that there's other people doing this. Some of you guys have been doing that for the last few months. I know it's been a huge blessing for you to know that there's other people that you can talk through or like, oh yeah, I read that this week. And when you let others know what your intention is, that, that helps you. Uh, if you're married or you have kids, you say, hey, uh, I need to have this time in the morning. Uh, so then there's, there's accountability, but there's also kind of that you know, respect of like, hey, that's You know, mom's reading or dad's reading or whatever it might be. But telling others, that helps you kind of have it more at the forefront of your mind. That's just one little thing that I've noticed is very helpful for a lot of people. Um, (laughs) Another one is to make a spot. Make a spot in your house. Somewhere that's kind of comfortable, not too comfortable. You'll fall asleep in the morning. That's my problem sometimes, but... Uh, make a spot, have a, have a routine. Uh, part of my routine, I've got a record player that's next to mine because I don't have to turn my computer on because once I touch my computer to turn on Spotify, then I get sucked in by the tractor beam of email and everything else, right? So I have a record player. I just hit, hit the go button. Uh, and so I'm, I just I don't have you know the, the devices. Um, I've got my cup of coffee. Um, you might need to have like a timer because maybe if your kids are getting up, you got to go off to work or school or whatever it might be. If you have a little more flexibility, you can have, what I do is I found it helps me is to have my cup of coffee. So when I'm done with my time, if I look and I still got coffee in there, I go, well, apparently I'm not done. So that's kind of, because that's how I would do with a, a person. If I go out to coffee with someone, I'm gonna finish my cup of coffee before we leave. I wouldn't leave halfway in the middle of a cup of coffee. So I try to treat my time with Jesus in a similar way, so if I feel like I'm done, but I look in, I still got coffee. Well, I'm not done. So whatever it is, you know, you might have to be, have more rigid with a you know a, a timer or an alarm that's set because you have to wake up the kids or whatever it might be. Uh, but have uh, have create a routine, create a routine uh, for the morning, for the evening, maybe for lunch, whatever it is. Uh, but create a routine, and you know, for us, it's like we don't. Um, We don't want to just have a set time in the morning and then you're good for the rest of the day. You want to kind of find other ways to do this throughout the day. But that morning time is really kind of the thing that just sets you forward. It's like this well that you get to draw from through the rest of the day if you get this time in the morning. Just like when we get up, you know, we shower, shave, breakfast. You get out the door, it gets you fresh for the day. You have this routine in the morning to kind of set yourself into your day. And it should be similar for us with time with the Lord. And maybe you don't have as much time as you like, but you, you, you do what you have. And if you can create a little bit of extra time, then you do that. Maybe you incorporate this with the kids or with your spouse if there's not enough time to everyone take turns or whatever it might be. But this is a good way to kind of fill the bucket that we can draw from later on. Now, when it comes to this meditation thing that Psalm 1 talks about, praying the word of God, praying through god's word we ask ourselves and how do we how do we meditate what does it mean to meditate on the word of god how do we how do we do this first thing we have to go slow we have to slow down when we're doing our 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 time in the word and i know like if we do a, a reading plan might be three chapters four chapters um, but you have to always... So there's a time for reading, there's a time for studying, and there's a time for meditating. Those are three different ways that we approach God's Word. They're not all the same. Sometimes they totally intertwine and kind of weave in and out. I'll have a time where I'm reading, and I'm just reading through my, my daily reading, but then I'll, something will grab me, and I stop and I meditate. Or maybe I start to actually study a part of that, and I go, oh, I don't understand what was going on there, so I do a little studying, then I get back into reading. So, but it's important to recognize that there's... At least three different ways to approach the word. Reading, so you're trying to get the big picture. Studying, you're trying to go in deep with the technicals and the historical stuff. But then meditating, we must meditate. That is where the mind connects with the heart. Where God's word is coming in and we're breathing back to God. We're breathing out our words to God. This is where it really starts to affect our hearts, not just our minds. So we have to slow down when it comes to this. It's also been really important for me to have just a time where I'm just silent, just to kind of rest myself and unwind myself, kind of force myself to sit in silence and not be hurried, not just jump right into something, right? I just, I need to sort of relax a little bit. But this kind of meditation is not, that's not meditation, that's just silence, because We're not talking about the kind of meditation of like the the Eastern religions or the New Age kind of stuff where we just empty our minds and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Christian meditation is the exact opposite. Christian meditation is about filling our minds with the word and promises of God. We are filling our minds with God's promises, filling our minds with the thoughts of who God is. Filling our minds with the truth that causes us to praise him and ponder his beauty. To comprehend the, the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth of his love that surpasses all knowledge. That's what Christian meditation is. So some of the ways we do this when we're going through, we're, we're reading the word, we're trying to pray the word. We can, we can ask questions as we go through. Uh, the word meditation, it literally means to, to mutter. So you almost picture like you're reading the word, but you're maybe under your breath kind of reading through it. You know, you're, you're preaching it maybe to yourself. You're, you're praying it for other people. You're saying it to God. These are the kinds of things that we want to do when we're reading through. So look at uh, Psalm 1 again. In verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, not in his law He meditates. Day and night. He becomes like a stream or a, a tree planted by streams of water. Meditates. He mutters. He whispers God's word day and night. Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it for then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Psalm 119, verse 27, the psalmist says, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Meditating, thinking about, pondering, contemplating the wondrous works of God, slowing down enough to sit and just think upon the ways of God. Psalm 143, verse five, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you've done. You slow down and you just sit with the Lord and meditate on all that he's done. I ponder the work of your hands. So We're not just reading here and we're not just studying to understand and, and understand the technicalities. We're, we're pondering these things, taking them into our hearts I ponder the work of your hands, I stretch out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And even there we see this word selah, which is kind of this moment of pause and just sitting, thinking upon. And that's the kind of thing that I I often do in my time of just prayer and reading through the word and meditating is just kind of this selah, just sitting and just being with the Lord. So we take time, we ponder, we, we think deeply We rest and we consider these things. Otherwise, our time in the Word is just skimming the surface like that jet ski analogy from last week. Rather than plunging into the depths like a scuba diver and seeing all the beautiful wonder under the sea, we're just zipping along the surface on a jet ski, just reading through our Bible reading plan, just reading through quickly just to get it checked off the the box instead of meditating, going deep, pondering. John Calvin says, The Word isn't received as it flits about in the brain, but when it takes root in the depth of the heart. We want God's word to take root in the depth of our hearts, the depth of our soul. It's like you can, you can know God's love intellectually, but not know God's love. You, you, you know it's there, but you don't know it. You don't experience it. Jonathan Edwards had this great analogy. He said, without ever tasting honey, you can know that honey is sweet because everyone says honey is sweet. So you know that honey is sweet, but until you taste honey, you don't really know that honey is sweet. Once you taste it, it becomes different. So this is what the difference between reading the word and maybe even studying the word, but then meditating on the word. You can know the facts about God. You can know the gospel story, but also not know it. Not swim in it, not live from it. Anyone, when you guys who are my age ish, remember Ducktales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, totally Ducktales. Uh, I loved. I uh, four o'clock after school, man. I just wanted to be home so quick to watch Ducktales. Remember the opening sequence? Scrooge McDuck, he swims in all of his riches, right? Remember, as a kid, you're going like, that'd be so cool to like just swim through all that money, right? That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about swimming in the riches of God. Not just looking at it, but being like Scrooge McDuck and jumping off that diving board and into that that, that big bank vault of God's love and promises. That's what meditation is. Swimming in the riches of Jesus Christ that have been given to us as our inheritance. That's what prayer does for us. That's what happens when we're immersed in the word and when we meditate, we are swimming in the riches of God. We cast our eyes upon him, meditating on him, his promises, his beauty. So one of the best ways to meditate on God's words, day and night, as the scriptures tell us to, and to pray the scripture is by memorizing scripture. I want to give you an example because I really, I really, really hope that everyone in here can believe that you can Make a habit of memorizing scripture so that you can meditate on God's word day and night. I want everyone in here to believe that you can do this and it'll change your life. I want you all, I want all of us to have even the courage to try it, to have a a plan, whatever that plan is. Uh, I I mentioned last week, if you're interested, I'll print you out cards. I told you it was going to be 36 cards. I got carried away. I made 86 cards, so... um, (laughs) If you, I will print this stack out for you. Me or my wife will show you how to have just a really easy, simple, kind of fun system. Uh, and it doesn't have to be this. It could be an app, Fighter Versus, Some of you guys have used. I used to use that too. It doesn't matter how you do it, but just commit to finding something that works for you, so that you can memorize Scripture, buried in your heart, so that you can meditate on the law of God day and night. That is what will make you into a tree planted by water that produces fruit and shade. Right? We have to have God's Word hidden in our hearts. It is quite possibly the most important thing you can do to really grow in your faith and go deeper with Christ and swim in the riches of God. It gives you instant access to gospel truths, strengthens your faith. It prepares you for for giving counsel on the fly to your friend who's hurting. It prepares you to fight sin when that temptation all of a sudden appears right before your eyes. You've got something to pull out of this, this bank of God's riches that's in your mind and it radically deepens your prayer life including your prayers for others so you have your scriptures to memorize however it is that you're going to do that what i'm going to do is i'm going to show you actually some that i was working on a week or two ago and i want to show you how the lord even used this in a couple of different ways so last week many of us we were praying for the nixes and I was praying Revelation chapter four, verse 11. So I think, do we, have that, do we have that one up there? I'm not sure if I gave you that one to put up there. Um, Revelation 4.11, okay. Uh, I'd been memorizing this throughout the week. And so I thought to myself, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray this. So, um, so as I'm, I'm looking at my card and I'm praying for the Nixes, I just start by saying, God, you are worthy. You're our Lord, you're our God. I'm just praying, Lord, that you would be glorified and honored and that you would show your power to Matt and Sherea and to Caleb because you created Caleb. You created Matt and Sherea. And by your will, Caleb has existed. You brought him to life. You gave him life, and there's a purpose for him. You know every hair on his head. You know everything about him. You created him in his mother's womb. And you've created him. You've created Matt and Sharia for good works that you prepared for them ahead of time. Now, as I looked at that verse, you probably heard a little bit of Psalm 139 that just you know, came to mind as I was praying. Ephesians 2.10. You know, when I saw the word created, I thought created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so as I'm praying, I could have just prayed just straight from my own heart, my own mind, but sometimes those prayers are going to sound a little redundant. Lord, just, you know, would you heal him, fix him, you know, uh, give, give him peace. And those are, that's, that's great. And I prayed that as well. But what happens when we start praying scripture, one, I'm memorizing that in a whole new way. I'm meditating on a whole new way. I'm praying things that I probably wouldn't normally pray for out of Joby's old brain. I'm praying God's word. I'm praying God's language. And I'm connecting his word to other promises of God. And so now when I'm praying, I'm even focusing more. I'm not trailing off and going, oh, you know what, I should just text Matt right now, just encourage him, right? Because I'm actually looking at scripture, I'm praying scripture, I'm staying focused in my time with the Lord and not getting distracted in the middle of it. So this even keeps me on track and focused. Now later in the week, I had a counseling appointment and before this appointment for about 45 minutes beforehand, I was praying. And sometimes, maybe which we're going into a conversation, whatever it might be, you get a little overwhelmed. And this is even with the, the Nix's case, you know, with the situation was so uh, so hard to comprehend. I, I, needed, I needed help to pray because I was overwhelmed picturing my own boys in that situation and and so with this counseling thing that was coming up, uh, I was just a little overwhelmed going, I don't know how to pray for this, Lord, help me. I don't want to just pray the same old thing, go around the cul-de-sac. So I went and I was just in my office and I just grabbed my, my cards, the ones I was working on. I grabbed five. I want to show you a, a couple of them to show you kind of what but I did. But I need a volunteer to just give me your name because I don't want to use the names of the people that I was, you know. So. so who wants to have a fake prayer done by me? John, all right. Or is that, is that Storm? Okay, Storm. Um, so we're going to say that Storm is needing help for giving someone in her life. Maybe, a, um, maybe it's her, her boss, something like that. Okay. So, uh, so the first one was Mark 10, 45. Uh, and and I, I pull this out, and I look at that, and I go, what does this have to do with Storm's life? Like, that's, there's nothing really there. But I start praying. And this is already, I've already been meditating on it as I've been trying to memorize. And so the first thing that came to mind when I looked at this, I thought, when Storm gets here... I want to serve her. I want to serve her because Christ served me. So I said, Lord, I don't don't know what to say to Storm. This is a big confusing ordeal with her work situation. But I want to serve her. Whatever that looks like tonight, I want to serve Storm. And I want to help her to, uh, to, to see herself even as a servant to her boss. Because that's what you did, Jesus. You came. You served us as sinners. And I know Storm feels like she's been sinned against by her boss. But change her heart so that she would also see herself as a servant to those around her. Right? And so I have, would have never thought to, to pray something like that. But now I'm praying even the heart of Jesus. Because these are his words. Right? The other one. So then I, I pray through that for a few minutes. Then I pulled out 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4. It was my other one that I was memorizing. And again, I go, I don't know how this would connect with Storm, but I, I looked at it and I just thought about it and I said, Lord, the f- most important thing I can give to Storm tonight is the gospel. That is the of first importance. She needs that more than reconciliation between her and her boss. She needs the gospel to shape her own heart, her hurt, her wounds. So God, would you help me to deliver to Storm the first most important thing, the same thing that I was given that Christ died for her. Christ died for the sins even of her boss. I want the gospel tonight, Lord. I want to serve her with the gospel. And there's three other verses that I just prayed through. And you know what happened? First of all, my, my prayers were, were lively. I was just pacing in my office. They were vibrant. I was communing with the Lord. It wasn't just Joby kind of you know, saying words out into the air, but... I knew it was. This was, I was communing with God. I'm using his language, I'm using his words, using his heart, his desires, and praying it for, uh, for the, the folks that I was meeting with that night. So much of, of this was just this communion and fellowship and prayer. I was very much in that place with the Lord and, and knowing that I was not there just for myself, but also on behalf of the folks that I was meeting with that evening. And so then I went into this meeting with great faith. Not faith in myself at all, but faith in the God who loves his children so dearly and desires to provide for us. So I went into that time very differently than if I was just sort of flustered and I don't really know what to pray. Then not only that, but then that very evening, two of the verses out of those five, I don't remember which ones they were, but two of the verses actually made their way into this counseling appointment because they were in my mind fresh because I was just praying it for them. For that 40 minutes, 45 minutes before, I'm praying these things, so then later I didn't plan on that, but in that moment I shared that verse because it was already there. It was something I was praying for. Church, what I'm talking about here, this is what it means to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The way that we communicate with people and with the Lord changes when our minds are being renewed. And this is how it happens. The word of God taking root in us and changing us. So I'll keep these, so I'll, I'll, I'll go over them in the morning after I do my, my reading, I'll, I'll, I'll go through my uh, memory verses, I'll pray through them, I'll pray for the people in my life, I, I pray for my family every day, I pray for many of you every day, but I'll pray these memory verses, because that helps me to really like, pray for different things for all of us. And then I'll keep those cards on my desk, so I don't just put them in my box and put them away, I'll keep them on my desk. If I go to an appointment, I take them with me, if I'm there a little bit early or someone's running late, I look at those rather than look at my phone. All right, and so, so we're going to look at some other things next week that has to also do with this. Uh, praying through the Psalms, praying the Lord's Prayer. But, uh, but as far as praying Scripture goes, that is just one of the most important things you guys can do is start memorizing Scripture in a certain way that works for you and learning how to pray through it. Pray through God's Word. And we'll look more at that next week with the Psalms and also the Lord's Prayer. But The last little... A bit of practical advice I would give you is whenever possible, pray out loud. Even if you're just praying under your breath, muttering, that's what meditation is. Pray out loud, that keeps you focused. That keeps your mind from wandering. And when you're praying scripture, you got a memory card or whatever it is, you, you hear those words out loud and it, just, it takes root differently, it keeps you focused differently. It feels more relational between you and the Lord when you're praying out loud. So when possible, uh, pray out loud. And that's not a rule, that's not a command in the Bible, I'm just saying that's just kind of my own personal experience and what a lot of folks say, it just keeps you less distracted. Um, And that's one way that can help undo our distractedness that I talked about a couple weeks ago. So don't get overwhelmed uh, with all this, it's a a lot to sort of bite off and kind of think, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, Every day you get to start brand new with new grace, every single day. So even if you go away from your time, like I'm gonna memorize scripture today, I'm gonna to pray differently today, if you go away feeling like you totally just blew it and it was a massive failure, I want you just to know this and believe this, you did not waste your time. It was not a waste of time. You might sit down for five minutes and just be so distracted and then walk away and go, man, I'm the worst. Don't, don't do that to yourself. If you sat down for five minutes, even if you're distracted, You took the first step in breaking that distraction cycle. You took the first step towards Christ to develop a more vibrant prayer life. Don't give up on it. Don't get discouraged. Trees don't grow overnight. Right? Trees do not grow overnight. That tree planted by water, it didn't spring up overnight. Right? You just take these little baby steps. Learn to plant yourself by the streams. Find ways, little routines, whatever it is that works for you find ways to do this that that helps you to plant by the streams of water, like Psalm 1. I was talking to someone about this a week or two ago, and we were saying how, you know, you just have to try different things, right? What works for me isn't going to work for you necessarily. I think all of us, there's some of these things, why I said some of them are just practical, some of them are values. I think all of us should be memorizing scripture somehow. I think all of us should be in the word every day somehow. I think all of us should be praying. But how you memorize scripture, how often you do it, which scriptures, the method, that's, that's, that's between you and God, right? I think you should be doing it, but I don't know how. What I wanna do and today in the next couple of weeks is just provide building materials. Say, hey, here's some different things. Here's some different ways. You take the materials that, that work for you and build your trellis. It's gonna look different than my trellis. But we gotta at least use the same materials, prayer, the word of God, and gospel community. Right? We need to have those as our, the, the main thing, but then what that looks like, that's gonna be different between you and me. So you have to just try different things. Right? Uh, throughout my life, I've had different ways. I used to use fighter verses on an app, but I'm trying to get away from my phone, so now I'm trying cards, which is what my wife's been doing. Uh, and reading through different Bible reading plans, you just you try things and you find stuff. And then as your season of life changes, or things change, or job changes, you might have to find different things. It should be the same values—word of God, prayer, community—but it much might be a, a different piece of lattice that you're putting up, you know, for your the, the pergola for your vine, the trellis. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. Jesus says, "Ask." And it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. And these these verbs here, this means to keep doing it. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So don't just try, you know, the, the cards, the scripture memory cards, and go, it oh, didn't work for me. Then try something else. Try fighter verses. Try doing it audibly. You know, having a recording yourself on your phone, saying it, and then just repeat. Just keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. It's not just one knock, oh, no one's home, you know, you walk away. Keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. If you have a devotional that just doesn't do it for you, there's thousands of great devotionals out there, right? So just keep seeking, keep trying. And you might even love a certain devotional for a season in your life, and then you have to change it up, right? That's part of what a relationship is. Relationships kind of change over the years. Your relationship with the Lord is going to change over the years, hopefully deepening, so you're going to try one thing for a season, it's going to be great, but then you're going to do something else. But you always want to have those, those three main things to be foundational. God's word, prayer, God's people, meditating, memorizing, praying scripture. Those are all things that, that you must have, learning to pray scripture, learning to pray the psalms, learning to pray the Lord's prayer in a personalized, non, not a repetitious way, which we'll look at again next week. So trying different things. Having a little bit of courage and bravery to try something new that sounds a little daunting. I know that stack of cards looks really intimidating, but you just do one or two at a time, or whatever pace you want to do, right? So so if you want those, I will print them out for you. We will show you. Karen wants them. I see one hand. Any other takers? Any other takers? (laughs) All right. Email me, okay? Email me, and I will have them all printed up and bring them to you next week, okay? Um, And... You can do that with your family. You can do it with your kids. It's just, it's, it's amazing, okay? So um, try different things. Uh, you know, sometimes when I'm praying, I pray in my, my comfy chair. Sometimes I'm pacing my office. Um, just try different things. Um, this is why we want to, and, and the next couple of weeks, we're gonna give you more building materials. You see a few of them on the back of the notes today. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we're gonna give you more. Not to overwhelm you, but to give you options, because something that's going to work for you, you're going to love one thing and not really like the other thing. That's fine. But in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be providing more building materials to you guys to build a trellis so you can be built up in Christ like a tree planted by water that produces fruit and leaves all season long. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to do. Right, that We want to swim in that, the riches of God's goodness. And this, these are the ways that God has given them to us through his word, through prayer, and through his people. So the good news for us is that God is at work in us and he is more committed to your growth and change than you are. That's good news. He will finish what he began and he's gonna bring us on this great journey as we learn to swim deeper and deeper into the love and glory and graciousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, just letting us be here today. Enjoying one of these great gifts of your grace, uh, community, the congregation of your people, brothers and sisters, this family. And um, I know sometimes, Lord, when we look at a lot of practicals, it can get a little uh, overwhelming because we realize, you know, how little maybe we're doing, how much we're failing. Um, but God, I know that you want to encourage us. You say if we are... Burdened and heavy laden. If we're carrying the, the, the guilt of, of failure or a poor prayer life or disinterest in the word or boredom, distraction, uh, God, I don't want anyone in here to feel condemnation for that. We, we're, we're all, we live in the same world, the same society. We all deal with this stuff. We're here because we're broken people. We're here because we're not fantastic at this. We know it's available to us but we just, we get distracted, and we get bored, and we don't want that to be the case. So help us to help each other, to encourage each other. Help us to just get on this journey together, whether it's through memorizing Scripture, or if it's being, uh, just reading the, the same section of the Word together, or being in a community group together, praying together. Help us to do this together. This is how you've designed it to be. We're not here to <laughs> flaunt our religiosity or look down on others who don't have a strong prayer life. We're, we're here because we're, broken weak people but you're a strong god who loves us and no one will snatch us out of your hands and you're going to complete the good work that you began in us we thank you lord for that great truth so help us lord help us to have an excitement and anticipation and when we fail because we'll fail at these things remind us to take just one look at our failure and 10 looks at you We want you and your love for us to be our motivation, to be our source of strength and power. So we thank you, Lord. We love you. We're thankful for your commitment towards us, your everlasting love, your long-suffering, your patience and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.